Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church. Good morning, good morning, and happy Father's Day. If I hadn't have a chance to meet you yet, uh, my name is Samuel. I look forward to getting to know you a little bit better. Well, it is Father's Day, but I wanted to mention one thing before we do. June 21, um, my father will actually be here speaking. So, excuse, not June, July, excuse me, July 21. So he'll be here, just a little FYI. Um, that's going to be really fun, really fun, but mark that he will be here. He's like, I don't know. And I'm like, no, I'm just telling you, you get to come. Just, this is how it works. You get to come. So that's going to be really fun. But it's Father's Day, and so I thought, well, what should, I, what, what, what should we talk about? What should we do? And I was really like balancing, like, should I really just talk to wives? We would like to say to her, don't dare, but I could get away with I'm like, could I, should, I, should I do that? Should I not? So I kind of went 50. No, I didn't. But I am going to start off with a little something for you wives this morning. Just, just, just a couple pieces of advice for you. Number one, if you're wondering what your husband meant by what he said, he said what he meant and he meant what he said, and that's what it was. Like, that, that was it. That, it really is. It, it is that simple. And then I got one more, one more piece of advice for you wives, and that would be this, is don't don't laugh too hard at his decisions, because you're one of them, okay? Um, just, just, just so you know. Just, just so you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fun. It's, it's just fun. Well, this morning, I, I want to talk about how to be BC, and we're going to talk just really about how to be biblically correct. Uh, there's a lot of PC, like you should do this, and is it okay to do this, and is it not okay to do this, and... Um, uh, about two years ago, I was on, uh, I got jury duty. I'm like, oh, yay, like my favorite. <laughs> Not really, but at the same time, I'm like, it's a story. Like, this will be great. And it uh, didn't turn out quite the way I thought, but I was sitting there in, um, in selection, and there was a few of us in there, and one of the lawyers asked a question. One of the lawyers said, how many of you spank your kids? And so they were asking all of the potential jurors. So we're sitting in this little box, and there's some people over here, and there's the judge, and it's all this official thing, and I'm sitting in the front. So I can't see what's going on behind me. Um, but I raise my hand, and then I look around. <laughs> and, and nobody else is raising their hand. And then everybody looks at me, and then they all raise their hands. <laughs> and I'm like, come on, you're waiting for me? And, and literally the judge said, like, he, he kind of saw the hesitation and everything that was going on, and he goes, it's okay if you spank your kids, guys. And you could see some, like, kind of, like, relief and some air, like, okay, oh, who's on trial here? Like, what's happening? This is kind of awkward. But there's, and then the judge kind of went through, like, it's okay. I mean, you don't, he, he explained the legal definition of it and why it was okay. But there's a lot of, like, what's PC, what's okay, and what's not okay, and what's, but really, parents, as fathers, we want to be biblically correct. And there's a whole lot of influence to be something else and some uneasiness of, well, is it even okay for me to admit the way that I raise my kids or, or, or what it is? But I'm going to give um, some ways that we want to be biblically correct, some BC dads. And the number one <laughs> go with it. The number one is going to be this, is our goal is to raise godly kids. My goal, 
your goal is not to be their best friend. Um, I, I know, honestly, my parents, uh, in my eyes, they, were, they, they got a lot more fun as they got older. I remember after college, I even asked my, my dad one time, I'm like, were you guys always this fun or like, like, like what happened? And he just looked at me and he's like, we were parenting. He's like, now you're kind of stuck doing your own thing and the consequences are your own and I don't have to pay for them anymore. So he's like, you're, you're really, it, it, it's up to you now. But our goal, and, and that relationships definitely change, but our goal is to raise godly kids. Genesis 18, 19 says this, for I know him that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord. That's our goal. And I know we have lots of dads because there's lots of kids down there. There's bunches of them. It's great, but our goal is not to be their best friend. I want, my, my oldest is 12. We, we do have kids. We have five of them. Not because I like kids. I like their mom, and they're kind of just what has happened. But... Um, <laughs> They're fun. I'm not taking any of them back. I'll, I'll keep all of them. They're great. Uh, I, just to be really, really honest, we planned for one of the five, and the others just showed up. Um, it's, but I love it. I absolutely, absolutely love it. But the goal is to raise godly kids, not have best friends, and which really takes being involved and realizing that our kids are not always angels. They make mistakes, and even yours make mistakes. Uh, I'll share one story, not my kids, but one story on the mistakes. Um, years ago, when I graduated Bible college, I came back to Res Life in Granville and did an internship there. And in one of the first few years that I was there, we took a group of just over 300 high schoolers to an event called Acquire the Fire. And it was like a youth uh, conference. And we went to, I think at the time we went to the big stadium in Detroit, and it was just filled with a bunch of teenagers, and, and it was a, a zillion 15-passenger vans and chaperones, and, and it, was, it was tons of fun. It was great, and we did, it, it was done very, very well. We had chaperones that were in the hallways. We had boys on one side of the, of the hotel, because it was two nights at a hotel. So one, boys on one side of the hall, girls on the other. They had chaperones that would stay up all night make sure there was no swapping like back and forth and where people were going. And then during the day, the chaperones that were in the hallway could sleep so they could do it again that night. And, and it went really well. Uh, tons of salvations, kids just getting on fire, kids getting deci deciding like, I'm not going to wait to do something for God. I'm going to do it today. There was a bunch of great things happening. Uh, kids signed up for missions trips and high school deciding what they were going to do. It was awesome. And, and we got back, loved the event. But about a week later, we got a letter from one of the parents. And, and I, walked, I was walking through the office, and one of the secretaries said, Samuel, come here. And I walk over, and she goes, will you read this? And I was like, okay. So I, I, I get this letter, and I start reading. It's like, my son went, and we'll just say um, Joel. We'll just, I'm just, just making up a name. He's in the back, and he's got an awesome beard. So Joel. And, and it says, hey, my son Joel went on this trip, and it was just absolutely amazing. I just want to thank you guys so much for doing this. He's, he's definitely changed. He's so much happier. It's great. Uh, he absolutely loved it. His favorite part was when Pastor Scott played his guitar and sang. And I looked at that. And I was at first, I was like, oh, this is great. It's just mom saying thank you. And that doesn't happen a lot. Usually in youth, it's, it's a little different. I was like, oh, this is great. But when I got to the, like the... His favorite part was when Pastor Scott played the guitar and sang. I looked over at Vicky and I go, 
He never played his guitar, and he never sang. And she's like, that's what I thought. I'm like, we got to do some little digging on this one. So we do a little bit of digging, and she's like, okay, he was definitely registered for the trip, but I don't show that he ever showed up. And I'm like, no, what band would he have been in? And we're going through this. And so we call mom, and we're like, hey, we got your letter. She's like, oh, great. Yes, thank you so much. And Vicky's like, well, I've got some news. He didn't go on the trip. And she goes, no, he did. I dropped him and his girlfriend off. I know that he went on that trip. And Vicky says, well, did you walk him in or drop him off? And she goes, I dropped him off. And I picked him up two days later. They were both there. And she goes, well, where was he? And Vicky says, well, that's for him to know and you to find out. Like, um, have, maybe you can probably guess what, what, what happened, but he did not go on the trip. He did not go on the trip, and he got in a little bit of trouble. Um, kids are going to make mistakes. You and I, we can probably look back and remember some things that maybe we did that our kids will never do. You're like, no, like I, I know better. Um, my kids will not do one thing that I did. Um, I met, Bear, met Becca two weeks to the day after I met her. I asked her dad if I could marry her six weeks from the, no, six months from the day that we met, we were married. I tell my kids, you're not doing that. Like, that, that doesn't work. There's things that I've done that you're not going to do. That's one of them. And her mom is sitting right here, and I'm sure she had lots of stories that she could share. It was a negotiation, literally, when, it, when, when I asked her dad to marry her. She, he's like, what? Are you actually asking? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, what's your last name? Like, like who? I had just met him. Like, there's so many things that... that and I'm sure you have your whole list of things you're like, my kids are not going to do this, and things you're like, I have friends that did this, and, and you're, you're catching on to it. But we have to realize that it takes being involved. It takes being involved and remembering that our kids are going to make mistakes, that they are not perfect. Proverbs 16 says this. It says, fools believe every word they hear, but wise people think carefully about everything. Let's swap that word out, fools. Parents, a foolish parent believes every word here, but a wise parent thinks carefully about everything. Uh, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. We need to check up on our kids. Our goal, my goal as a dad, is to make it easy for my kids to make the right decision and hard for them to make the wrong one. I mean, when, when they're little, it's easy. You make every decision for them. Like, these are the undies you're wearing. Put them on. Like, this is how it goes. They get older, hopefully that stops, right? It, it should change. It shouldn't be quite the same. And we need to do that. We, we need to make it easy for them to make decisions, the right ones. I am going to be that dad that shows up at the movie theater to make sure that they're there, just popping my head and just making sure you're here and I know who you're with. And then I'll leave. I want them to be afraid that I'm hiding behind every bush and tree and trash can. Absolutely. I'm pretty sure that by the time Avery turns 16, I'll have my own like hovercraft assigned to like follow her around. Like it's coming. It's, it, the government probably already does. So, But as parents, we need to be involved. We definitely need to be involved. So be that kid. It is okay to be in your kid's business. I need privacy, not from me. Like, that, that doesn't work. Not from me. You have a room, you're a girl, I'll knock. You're a boy, I won't. Like, I'm coming in. 
Like, this is how it goes. It is okay to be in your kid's business. Every password, every website, every device, my friends have phones. You're not getting one. Don't you trust me? No. (laughs) I love you. It is okay. Like, I want to make it hard for you to make the wrong decision. So you want to know what it means? It means that there's so much technology. We shut it off at night. I turn off the Wi-Fi to my kids' devices. They ask, well, can I do this? I haven't figured out how to get it set up so they can listen to the Bible still. And so so I'm like, no, you you can't. It just shuts off. I can go on there. I can see. I can see what's happening in phones. You, You need to know what your kids are doing on their phones. You think... I had a parent come to me. This was, this was a while back. parent came to me. Nobody here. You don't know them. And, and they thought they had their, phone son, their son's phone locked down until they got a $500 data bill from Verizon. He had found a way around it and found some stuff, $500 worth of data stuff. Um, no, as best you can, and obviously you cannot watch them every second of every day. But let's make it hard for our kids to make the wrong decision. And it's okay to be that parent that's like, no, you're not getting that app. You can't have this. Yes, that device is completely locked down. It doesn't even have a screen. It's black and white. Like, this is what you get. It's okay to do that, to be the parent who's in the business. Know every password that they have. Know where they're going and what other devices they have that get them online. My parents gave me a call probably about two years ago, and they have Netflix. And my dad called me, he goes, all of a sudden, um, there's some really raunchy stuff showing up in my recently played. He's like, what's going on? And I'm like, I don't know, it's your Netflix, like, why are you, but I'm the tech guy. Like, literally, he will call me, like, I can't get the TV on, like, what do I do? And I'm like, okay, take the remote, hit the power button, it's not working. I'm like, okay, then it's probably on, but the screen is black, you need to check the input. Anyways, like literally I have to go through this stuff in my mind. So he calls me about everything. So he calls me, he's like, why is this in here? And I'm like, I don't know. It's yours. He's like, well, this isn't me, and why is this here, and what's going on? So we end up calling Netflix, and Netflix is like, well, I said, can you give me the IP address of the device that actually watched these so I can confirm exactly what it was and where it was? They're like, no, I can't give you the actual IP. I'm like, well, who can? I said, and we, we kind of went back and forth, but finally they said, it's an Xbox that's signed in under this. My parents don't have an Xbox. We don't have an Xbox. Nobody, none of our, our family, immediate family, had an Xbox. What we came up with is that uh, one of the grandkids figured out what grandma and grandpa's passwords were and was at his house who had something that was able to get online. It takes work. It takes a lot of work. Um, You might have your Wi-Fi locked down, but the neighbors don't. I can open up my laptop at my house, and I get a list of like 10 different Wi-Fi networks. Most of them, every one of them are locked down great. But I'm like, oh my goodness, it really does take work. But it is okay to be in our kids' business, know what passwords they have, know what apps they have, know what they're doing and where they go. Proverbs 18, 17 says this, the first to present his case seems right till another comes forward and questions him. It is okay to be in their business and to question. It is okay. The next one, know who your kids are hanging out with. 
well, don't you trust me and I'm going to go over here again? No, I do not trust you. I've never lied. Good, I want to make it hard for you to ever lie. I'm going to check up on it. everything. You may have been the perfect child, but I'm still going to check up. I'm going to check. We're going to make it hard for you. 1 Corinthians 15, 33, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Proverbs 13, 20, he who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. I pick my kids' friends. That's all there is to it. Like, it is great. For me, it's extra easy. We home educate. So it's like, this is who, it's it's extra, extra easy. But I will pick my kids' friends. It's like, here's who you can hang out with. Here's who you can't. And as much as I can, and as much as you can, you need to know who your kids are hanging out with. And the bad influences, do something about it. Do something about it. I was talking with a parent a while back, and they were having trouble with their kids, uh, their 13-year-old's kids' friends. And they're like, finally, they're like, we just, they they kept coming around. He's like, we left. I'm like, what do you mean left? He goes, we left Texas. He's like, we moved. He's like, my job allowed it, and uh, even if it wouldn't have, he goes, it's so important. He goes, we saw the influence, and we had to do something about it. Uh, It is okay to decide who you're kids have as friends. But that means you're going to need to know who they are. You're going to need to know who they are. It is okay to be that parent that's looking out for them. Again, making it hard for them to make the wrong choices and easy for them to make the right choices. Getting them around friends that are going to help. Which again, brings me to another one. It's okay to have your kids do things that they don't want to do and go places that they don't want to go. Uh, Becca, I love it. Growing up, she's like, it didn't matter where we went, how late we were up, whether it was prom night or not. My dad said, you can stay up as late as you want, but you're coming to church on Sunday. They're like, that is just what we do. My surprise, surprise, my dad was a pastor. We were always there. Like, it was closed. We were still there. It was just all, we were always at church. It was not an option. It was like, this is what you're going to do, and you're going to make friends here. Um, but even more than that, family time. Uh, my folks decided that they got a, uh, uh, a cabin, a cottage, uh, when I was probably, uh, I think Josh couldn't drive yet, so I was probably like 12. And basically they're like, our weekends in the summer were Thursdays and Friday because we had church on Saturdays and Sundays. And they said, you're coming. And I'm like, I don't want to. And they're like, you're coming. This is what we do as a family. And I fought it, but I did not fight it near as much as my little sister did. My little sister was just like, she said, she, 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 just, she fought it like crazy, like crazy, like crazy. And uh, they were actually really good about it. They're like, you know, you're coming. You can bring friends with you, but, but you're coming. And they set the atmosphere of where we were going to hang out and how we were going to hang up. Like, this is, this is what you're going to do. My sister fought it like absolute crazy. But it's really funny because we're adults now, and my sister and she's like, my favorite times were being up at the cabin. The thing that she fought so much and complained about, and I don't want to go, and my friends are over here, and they're going to this, and they're like, well, you can invite friends, but we're all going, this is what we do. It's so funny that she remembers that as some of the best times growing up was the family time that we had sitting at the lake. It is okay to have our kids do things that they don't want to do. We make them go to school. Hopefully we make them eat the food that they need to be eating. 
And it is okay to, when it comes to us looking out for their spirituality to say, this is what you're going to do. For some reason, there's, there's this thing that's kind of slipped in that's like, if I make them do it, they'll rebel against it. But rebellion comes when there's rules without relationship. That, that's where rebellion is. It's like, I don't understand this. I don't, I don't get it. I'm out of here. When we tell people, this is, what, this is how we're going to do it. This is, how we, this is what we believe is the best. And I think this is the best for you, so this is what you're going to do. Yes, there's, kids can rebel. And there's not a guarantee. If there's a formula, I'd be selling it. But there's not a formula that you're like, hey, if you X, Y, and cross this T, they'll never do this, that, or the next thing, and they'll always serve God with all of their heart. But what we can do is do our very best, which brings me to the next one, which is this. We do things because the Bible says so. I'm going to make mistakes. As a parent, I make all kinds of mistakes. You're going to make mistakes. But we don't do things because this is how Vanderklocks do it, because this is what the Bible says. And we point them to God's Word. This is why we're doing that. We're going, why are we going to church? Why are, we, why are we doing this? Why is this a priority in our family? Why are we on vacation watching church and going to church? Why do we make this so important? Because the Bible says don't forsake the gathering of the believers together because we need this. We need to grow. That's why we're doing this. Not because, well, in our family this is important. It's because this is what the Bible says. Why do I pray over you? Because the prayers of a of a righteous man availeth much, and I know that you need all the help you can get. The world is crazy. With all the things that's getting thrown at you, that's why I pray for you. Why do we do this? Because I love you. We pray. We pray. And we do things because the Bible says so. That's our foundation. That is our foundation, which brings us to the next one. And it's this. Please judge. Oh, most definitely judge. There's there is a standard, and it is given to us in God's Word. And that's what we use to measure whether something is right or wrong. 2 Timothy 3.16 says it this way, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And there's, you've probably heard it before, but we get these people that know just enough of the Bible to be dangerous or just enough to use it the way that they want to. And they say, say things like this, you can't judge me or my friends. The Bible says don't judge. So we're going to read Matthew 7, chapter 1. And it says, don't judge others or you will be judged. Verse 2, for you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard which you will be judged. Okay, but then we keep reading. We're going to go to verse 5 about what Jesus is talking about. And he says, hypocrite, first get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. He says, don't ignore it. He says, deal with it. Scripture is the standard that we're given. We look at it and we say, look, this is wrong. This is right. The attitude, the way that they're talking, your friends are talking, is not okay. Harsh words stir up anger. The way that says, children, honor your father and mother. They are not honoring their parents. And if that's the way they're going to talk about their parents, you're not going to hang out with them. Like, it's just not, it, it, is, it is okay. We do judge. We most definitely look at something and we decide whether it's right and wrong. And we look, we need, we need to be judging. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 3, do you not know you will judge angels? How much more the things in this life? 
We look at it, we hold it up to God's word, and we say, it's good or it's not. If it's not, we're going lim- to take care of it. We're going to change it. We're going to remove it. We're going to do what we can that's within our power. We most definitely judge. We say, this is what we're going to do. It is okay to say something is wrong because it's wrong. We looked at God's word. There is right. There is wrong. We are biblically correct. I don't care if it's politically correct or not. We look at God's word, and this is the standard that we want to follow. Next one. Moving on. We're going to look at dating. I am picking my kids' spouses. I do not know why arranged marriages ever stopped. I'm like, that is what it should be. At least that's what I'm telling them right now. I'm like, I will help you pick this. But my kids, my daughters, are 12 and 11 right now. And they love to hear stories about when I was young. They like to hear stories about how when I was young or how I met mom. And I'm like, it's a really short story, but okay, like, here we go. Um, But they, they love to hear that. And so we just over and over reiterate to them. I'm like, well, mommy and daddy are going to help you. And they're like, well, how did you pick mom? And what about this? And what did you see? And I tell them over and over. I'm like, I knew I wanted to marry your mom when we were talking about giving. And, and we were actually, I, I remember the intersection that we were at. We were at the intersection of 56 and Ivanrest. We're sitting there and we were talking about giving. And the, I said, well, you know, the Bible says that if somebody doesn't eat, excuse me, somebody doesn't work, they don't eat. I said, how does that sound? And she's like, it sounds And I remember when she said that, just kind of like the sinking feeling like, oh, no. And, but then she said this. She goes, but if that's what the Bible says, that's what's best. And I was like, yeah, that's right. And I was like, if she will put, put aside her feeling what she thinks and default to God's word, we're, I'm in. Like, this is what I've been waiting to find out. Like, she's already pretty. I mean, she's attractive. She's great. I like her. And finally, like, yeah, this is great. I'm like, this is it. Wasn't a whole lot. And luckily, she stayed true to that from there out. But we need to know and we need to be helping with that when it comes to dating, deciding, like, when is it okay and when is it not okay? And if they're young, begin to talk to them now about, like, hey, this is what you look for. And this is what you don't look for. This is what you stay away from. You see that over there? That's bad. Like, no, you stay away from it. And helping them with that and deciding, like, when is it okay to date and when is it not? What is the purpose of dating? And teaching them what that is. Because here's the thing. The world is going to teach them something. And so it's teaching them from a very young age that they already have a frame of reference for all the information that they're getting. Because we have no shortage of information. It just comes at us so fast. However, but we need the framework to know how, where to put it. And really, when it comes to dating, whether you have somebody, whether your kids are really old or maybe they're already dating, you want to give them the framework to put that information. The younger you can start, the better. Give them framework. This is how we look at this. This is what you look for. This is why this is good. This is why this is bad. You see the way I treat your mom? That's what you look for. You see how I do this? This is what you're looking for. If they're not doing that, it's not okay. Set that, but be involved in it, Proverbs 22.6 says this, direct your children into the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. We want to start directing them in that path of this is what you're looking for. These are the standards. The minimum standard, the absolute trip over standard is they need to be a word-believing, faith-talking, armor-wearing child of the king. 
That is the minimum standard. Like, if they don't pass that, like, don't bring them to the house. Just, just, just tell them to go away. Like, no, it's not happening. But give that to them. Because here's the thing. We make the stupidest decisions when we're in love, Twitter pated, whatever you want to call it. Just plain and simple, the absolute stupidest decisions. Every hunter knows it. Turkey hunting, you want to know what they're doing? You call in the turkeys because they're looking for the ladies. And they come. I was actually out with my brother-in-law. It was the first time he was turkey hunting. And so we set up in this little blind, so it's a small little tent with a net that you actually just shoot through. So we're sitting in there, and I'm doing some turkey calling. That was actually pretty good. I know. So I'm doing some turkey calling, and we hear these toms, and I'm like, okay, they're coming. My brother-in-law's from Australia, and he he hadn't hunted at all before. He'd shot a gun a couple times every time he'd come to visit because he just thought it was so awesome. And, And we call these turkeys in. And they come in, and they're probably from me, maybe to the back of the room. And I'm like, Tim, shoot. Like, do it. Shoot. So he shoots. Boom! Misses. And the birds start to disappear. And I'm like, hold on. And I grab the box. They turn around, and they come back. I'm like, stupid birds. I'm like, shoot him again. Boom! He shoots again. He misses. They just walk off again. He's like, call. I'm like, it doesn't normally work like this. I call again. And it must have been some seriously dirty turkey talk. I don't know, but they turn around and come back. <laughs> they come in, and a third time, I'm like, get him. I go, get him in the head. Like, shoot him. <laughs> Boom. He shoots again. He misses. I go, give me the gun. <laughs> Boom. There. We got one. Oh, I was so frustrated. I was dying inside. I was like, what's wrong? And he's like, why'd you take the gun? I'm like, three tries. That's all you get. That's all you get. Those stupid turkeys, that was delicious, but they did not, they, why did they not run? They're getting shot at. One of them, the one that I shot, Tim had actually hit, and it still came back. Some of the feathers were gone. They're tough. They're just super, super tough. We're not turkeys, but we do stupid things when we're in love. Okay? We, our mind, it is, it, we just do some of the stupidest things when we're in love, and we need help. I keep telling my kids, I'm like, we will help you make those decisions. You need people around you that can help you to make those decisions. You really do. The the Bible says it this way, that when we get married, that a man will leave his father and mother and cleave to his his wife. It's leaving. And there, there really is something that we are charged with as parents, which is helping them do that, helping them to make those decisions and to know how to do it. And it starts when they're young. And if yours are old and all of a sudden you're like, well, hey, by the way, I'm going to walk in. I've never said anything before and you're about to get married, but I should help you with this. Um, they do need help. And the, more you, the younger you can start, the absolute better. So please, please, please try to be involved in that decision. I had some friends growing up and their dad said something that absolutely scared me. He said this. He goes, you know, he, he told his girls this. He said, you don't have to worry. He said, basically, anybody that you bring home, if they make you happy, I'll say yes to. And I just thought, what in the world? I've done maybe 30, 35 weddings. And in two of them, the fathers were like, I don't really like this. And both times, I encouraged the dads. I'm like, if you don't like this, put a stop to it. Like, that'd actually be more fun for me. Like, this is, this is, 
this is fine. I actually, it's maybe not the nicest thing, but I'd like to be at a wedding someday where like somebody actually doesn't, like somebody walks off or doesn't show up or like can't do it. I don't know why. Maybe morbid, but to me, that'd be kind of fun um, to be at that wedding. But I said to the dad, and in both situations, I'm like, well, if you don't like this, if you see something, I'm like, put a stop to it, do it. And both times, neither dad did. Now, granted, the wedding day is really not the day for that. And both of those marriages ended very, very ugly. And I just think that dad knew. And I don't know if he had facts that he wasn't sharing or if God spoke to his heart, but that dad knew. And if you're here and you think your parents don't know, they do. They do. There's a story in the Bible. In Ishmael and Isaac. So the, the short version of the story is this, is Ishmael is with his father, or with his mother, excuse me, and they're out in the desert. They're out in the desert, and, and there's no water. They're about to die. So his mom walks away, and we don't know how old he is. He's probably 13 or 14 years old, guessing at his age. But the Bible says that he cries out to God because he thinks he's about to die. And God speaks to his mother. As a result of his prayer, God speaks to his mother and gives her the direction and the instruction that they need to live. I saw that years ago, and I thought that was amazing, that a teenager cried out to God, and God gave the answer to that teenager's prayers to his mother. I don't know if she would be able to see clearly or what, but God knew this, I'm going to answer your prayer, but did not give the answer directly to him. Instead, gave it to his mother. Um, Our kids need our advice. They definitely, definitely do. When we are in love again, love, it, it is. We make some of the stupidest decisions. We need godly people around us, godly parents that will hear the Lord for us and on our behalf and with us, and help to direct us. If they're young, start young, setting the stage for how it's going to be. If they're older, be sensitive to that Holy Spirit. Your parents are in here, and you think they're out of touch, and they don't know. Yeah, probably, but they can hear from the Lord, and God will speak to them many times on their children's behalf, and we need to be sensitive to that and to hearing what it is that they have to say, because the goal is to raise godly kids, kids that will grow up and will serve God with all their heart, with all their soul, and all their mind. Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church.